0: Good morning. good morning. Thanks, Tom. Um, it's good to be here again. Um, thanks for the young man who set up my computer. Um, I do have a, I don't can do that. I do have a presentation. If it doesn't work out, you know, it's okay. but I um, thought it'd be a little easier today to do what we're doing to kind of have that. Uh, as Tom said, I did graduate. I graduated eighth grade from Northview. And I think right here, I, I, as I was sitting there, I was thinking about it. I don't actually mem- remember the ceremony, but uh, I think we had one, right? <laughs> and I think it was right here, actually. So uh, that was a, a number of years ago. Um, I uh, actually, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, 20 years ago this year, I was baptized right here, uh, 20 years ago, 1999, I think it was in August. I was uh just headed back to college and I wanted to get it done before I went back. So uh Pastor Quentin Purvis was here and uh we had met uh several times and, and then we had a, I I remember that baptism. I was I was pretty nervous about that, I remember that, but um uh so praise the Lord for this church and uh the school. Uh that is here. A lot of lot of memories from the school. Is that up there? It was? Yeah. All right. So there's my uh sermon, Changing My Tree. Now in the bulletin I had family tree, and none of them neither of these titles are exactly right. If if you put them both together though, I think that's what I really meant. Changing my family tree. So uh if you put both those titles together. Uh, maybe that, that's what I want. I like the um, the Sabbath school lesson today. It was about mu- uh, music and singing. And, uh, you know, I like to sing. When I uh, graduated uh, college, I was single, and I was living actually around here and lived by myself. I had a little dog, and I re- was reminded of this story when we were talking about singing in the Sabbath school. I um, got a hymn, hymn book. Maybe it was from here. I don't know. But I, and I, when I was single, I had never really sang before, but I started to enjoy singing, and so I'd get that hymn book out, and I would sing the hymns all by myself, you know, after work, and I'd be there, and uh, I was beginning to think I was pretty good, but my little dog couldn't stand my singing. Every time I got the hymn book out, the dog would go outside, and, and when I started singing, And the dog liked to be inside with me, and so the dog would, would, you know, kind of bark to come back in. I'd let the dog in, but if I was still singing, I'd go right back out. And uh, only would stay in when I had stopped singing, so (laughs) I uh, got the impression that I wasn't the best singer. But I kept practicing, and one day I got this idea, and I thought I was getting pretty good. I um, went to church sometime later. I, I was a member of a little church. And I knew they had recording equipment. So I went into the church. Nobody was there. And maybe I shouldn't have done this. But I, I turned on all the, the, the PA and all the, the... And I recorded myself singing. So I, was, I thought I was getting pretty good. And I played it back over the speakers in the church. And it was pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, we could have a sermon about that right, right now. But, um, you know, please, Lord, show me uh, who I really am. <laughs> Not how I see me, but as you see me. But... Uh, So that's, uh, but today we're going to talk about um, uh, changing my family tree. So, uh, and we're going to do it in the book, from the context of the book of Matthew. This is kind of a pre-Christmas sermon, if you will. A Christmas sermon or a pre-Christmas sermon as you're coming into there. As you turn to the book of Matthew, you see the, the birth of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. So if you ever would like to bow your heads with me. We'll do that this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just invite your presence again to be here in this this place, in this church. We have gathered together because we believe your promise that when we worship together in a special way, your spirit will be here in our hearts and in our minds. Continue to, dear Lord, not just be in this building because, dear Lord, this is not the church, the church of the people that are here. We want you in our hearts and minds. So open our hearts and minds to receive your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if any of you have ever um, studied your genealogy, but I, I did. I've been doing this for a few years, on and off. I get kind of interested in it, and I get into it, study my genealogy, and then I kind of Don't do it for a while, then I get back into it. But a number of years ago, I started getting my genealogy, and a lot of interesting things. I was always interested in the history of my family, and I found out a lot of things about my family and where we came from as you do your genealogy. Uh, A couple of stories that came out in the genealogy. uh, You know, I was studying that, and I found a great uncle I never knew I had. You know, I thought I kind of knew all the Great uncles, but there was an uncle there. His name was John. And so I called my aunt and I said, uh, Aunt Catherine, what about this John? You know, it would have been her uncle. She said, Oh, yeah, that John. Uh, <laughs> he was kind of a, the black sheep of the family, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, she said that uh, he was, um, yeah, not the, not the best example of our family. She said it came to the uh, point when he was a young man that he uh, had stolen some money and that uh, he had rustled some cattle. Now, he was born in the early 1900s, probably 1907, and uh, stolen some ca- rustled some cattle, and so he kind of ran away from home. And she said, I remember a, um, going over to uh, Grandma's house, Grandma Grandpa's house, and a, and a letter had come in the mail. And some years later, and the, the letter said that John had died, and if the family paid $1,000, which was a lot of money back then, they would ship the body home. And he said, I could just remember Grandpa and then Uncle Frank um, just complaining about John. He's just a black sheep of the family, never knew about him before. A um, lot of things you find out in, in a genealogy. I've traced uh, all the family, uh, my wife's family and my family, back to just about every line, back to like 1600, sometimes 1500, except, except the Matzella line. The Matzella line, it can only go to uh, Barnabas Matzella, and then it just ends with him. He had come from Austria, he was my great grandfather came to this country by himself. He was an illegitimate child, and that's why you can't... There's no record of him that I can find. He's illegitimate. And so in Europe, he uh, had a job of um, fixing church steeples. And uh, in one of those churches, he met a lady, Ursula. They married. And uh, because of being illegitimate and just because of what Europe was in those days, he couldn't... uh, He wanted to own land He wanted to have a farm, but he couldn't do that in Europe. And so he thought, let's come to America. He came to America by himself after he got married, found land just not far from here uh, between Leroy and Luther, Michigan, and settled down, sent for Ursula. My great uncle was born at that time. He still can remember seeing the Statue of Liberty when they came over in a boat. I have a picture of the boat um, that they came over on, and they settled here. A um, lot of interesting things you find in your genealogy. I've done my wife's genealogy, and I found something very interesting as, as you go back in her genealogy, goes way back into Europe, and uh, I thought one thing, and I thought, this is kind of strange, you, you know, I don't know if this is right, um, but she is actually related to Frederick the Great, and... Uh, and you know, I got into that, and it's true. She was related to Frederick the Great, and uh, so my wife is royalty. If you want to say say, tell her happy Sabbath as she leaves here. Um, actually, his descendant, one of his uh, sons, who later became—I don't know if they call it the uh, King of Prussia or whatever—had um, an illegitimate son, and uh, he, you know, he. You know, he's not the legitimate son, but he was illegitimate, and he had become um, the kind of the, what they call him, the keeper of the horse, or kind of the bodyguard of of the king. Um, and uh, he thought he was in line to become the general of the army, but he didn't get that job probably because he was illegitimate. And so he decided he was going to immigrate to America instead. And so he did em- immigrated to America, and that's how uh, the Nethkins came to America. A lot of interesting things you find in your genealogy, both good and not so good, right? Um, so we're going to talk about genealogies today. The Jews were very interested in genealogy. To the Jews, genealogy was very, very important. Um, it said in John 8, verse 53, Uh, They said to Jesus, the Jews, are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Uh, They thought you know, genealogy was going to save them. They were fascinated with their genealogy. And the the notion had begun to take note, and actually for, for a number of years, that if you could prove that your genealogy went back to Abraham just because of that, you were saved. You were part of the chosen, and you would be saved through your genealogy. And so they said to Jesus, you claim to be able to save. Are you greater than Abraham? Just because we are Abraham's seed, we're going to be saved. You claim that only through you can you be saved. Well, why was genealogy important to the Jews? You go back to uh, Nehemiah, in Ezra's days, in Ezra 2, verse 62, those sought their listing among those... This is Ezra 2, verse 62. Those sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. Some of the exiles, we're reading through Ezra and Nehemiah in a lesson, some of those people who came back to Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah could not find themselves in the genealogy. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. In other words, they... Had uh, this story from their parents and their parents that they were of the priestly line. But they couldn't prove it through the genealogy, and so they couldn't be priests anymore. They were, uh, as it were, defiled and couldn't be priests. So the genealogy was very important to the Jews. Go back to the um, Old Testament in Genesis 2, verse 4. Uh, It says in Genesis 2, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now that word history, in some of your versions it may say generations, literally that word could be translated generations, it's tuladoth, I believe in the Hebrew, but that word elsewhere in the Bible is translated as genealogy. So God is saying in Genesis 2, verse 4, this is the genealogy of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Have you ever read through the Bible and read the genealogy? Who here, you don't have to raise your hand, but has committed, I'm going to read through the Bible all the way through, but then you get to the genealogy, right? What do you do sometimes? You skip, do you skip those names? (laughs) Because they're just names, right? And some of them are hard to pronounce. Here's a clue. If you are reading out loud for church or whatever, and you come upon some of those hard to pronounce names, you just say it really fast and like you know what it Well, like it's like it's what it sounds like, what you're supposed to say, and and people believe you. So genealogy, this is the genealogy of the history of how God made our planet. This is the genealogy of how God created the heavens and the earth. Now you go to Genesis five verse one. And it said, this is the book of... Now, that word, genealogy, same exact word in the Hebrew. Okay, same exact word. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. You may not have noticed, but all throughout the Old Testament, repeated time and time again, there are genealogies. They just pop up everywhere. because, And that, to the Jew... That's why they thought genealogy was so important, because these genealogies are everywhere. But as you study the genealogies, and you, as you study the Bible, these genealogies pop up. Genesis 5, we're going to see in verse 6 and 9 and 10, all the genealogies repeated over and over again. And the Jews began to believe that the genealogy could save them. Um, but you'll find that all throughout the genealogies, There is a pattern that emerges. Here in Genesis uh, 5, verse 1, here is the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He made him perfect. Um, God attempted to establish a relationship between humanity. But what happened in that story? Adam sinned, didn't he? So God created the genealogy, the history is there. He created man, but eventually, Genesis 6, verse 5 and 6, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his what? In his heart. So God created this genealogy, this perfect man and woman. But did that genealogy save them? No, there was a failure and evil uh, came out of it. Okay, so God makes a new covenant. Uh, If you go to Genesis 6, verse 9 and 10, he founds Noah, was righteous in his generation. Genesis 6, verse 9 and 10, this is the what? Genealogy of Noah. Here we see it again. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And then Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? So we have uh, Adam, genealogy. There was a failure there. Now we have another genealogy, uh, a just man, a righteous man, Noah. But was that genealogy perfect? Well, you go forward, and there's a story of Noah in Genesis 9, verse 21. He drank of the wine and was drunk, and there's another sad story. Um, Okay, a failure in that genealogy, okay? So we see another covenant with who? Abraham. Uh, Well, Noah goes on, actually. Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, another genealogy. His sons were born to them after the flood. Um, But what happened after the flood? There was another what? A failure, right? The um, Tower of Babel and God came and uh, destroyed that tower. And then we have Abraham. That's what I said before, Genesis 11, verse 21. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. So again, we have this repeated. All of this repeated. The genealogy, then the failure. The genealogy, then a failure. And as you go through the life of Abraham... He had a lot of failures. His genealogy was nothing close to perfect, right? Right. His, I mean, how many mistakes did he make? So all throughout the Bible, the, the, the Jews, as they look back, saw this genealogy as something to be proud of. But if you look more closely, you saw a lot of failures after the what? The genealogies, right? And so you come to the New Testament Matthew 1, verses 1 and 2, and you have a new genealogy. Well, it's not a new genealogy, but it says in uh, Matthew 1, verses 1 and 2, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So Matthew begins his gospel with a what? Genealogy, because he knew to the Jew... Genealogy was important, right? Matthew knew, and he traces the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph back to Abraham because he is the father of the Jewish people. Matthew's gospel was specifically designed in that time for Jews. He has a a special bent to meet the Jew. In the first century, he was writing to Jewish Christians. He wanted to show his readers that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Jewish hopes and promises, and he wanted to show that through his genealogy, okay? Because he is a descendant of Abraham, but being a son or a descendant of Abraham will not save you. Now, just as a by and by, Luke also had a genealogy of Jesus, and it's a little bit different, right? Because Luke traces his genealogy not back to Abraham, but to Adam. Now, why did he do that? Well, Adam was the father of mankind. Luke was a Gentile, and his book was written for uh, Gentiles. Luke was a Gentile, and so his were for Gentile Christians. So he went back to a Gentile, to Adam, because to a Gentile, Abraham wouldn't have meant very much. But... Adam was a Gentile, the father of all humanity. So to prove that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the hopes of all humanity, he is the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. So you have two different genealogies. But what do we know about genealogies? Being a son or a descendant of Abraham, Jesus was very clear, will not save you, right? You know that, right? All the genealogies have what? Failed. If you read through all those genealogies, and there's even more you could find in the Old Testament, New, they all failed, right? There's failure after failure after genealogy after genealogy. All the genealogies have failed. They cannot what? They cannot save you, right? They cannot save you. Uh, the genealogies cannot save. So let's go into this genealogy and see what we find in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read through it, maybe not every line, but if you have your Bibles, just follow along with me. We read this before. The book of the genealogy of Jesus, we know that can't save him. Being Abraham's seed can't save him. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah. And this is where you're, you start to get a little tired. Judah, well you know what, the one good thing about the geneal- genealogies, if you're wondering how, what to name your baby or your baby's coming up, this is a good list. Um, Judah begot Perez, Zerah by Tamar, and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, Ram begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, now I don't know how to pronounce those exactly but I'm trying to sound like I do. Um Verse 5, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Oab begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. So that's very important. David the king be, begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, and so on and so on as you get down to verse 16. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called, called Christ. What do you know about that genealogy? Another good thing about the genealogy is this. If you have knowledge of the Old Testament and all those stories, you see the, the name Isaac there. That's a story right there. You know Isaac's story from the Old Testament. You see Abraham, here's his story. Every name is a story, and there's a lot of stories. Some were good stories, some were bad stories. Some were good, uplifting stories. Some have a lot of corruption, sin, immorality. Abraham had a lot of marriage problems. You know, think of that, Abraham and his marriage problems. Uh, you know, we read them in the Bible, and sometimes it's almost like a storybook or a newspaper, and it, we kind of gloss over that. But think about that marriage that he had, and all those, you know, with Hagar and Sarah. Think if... If that were a real story today, that would be a lot of scandal, a lot of details, a lot of, a lot of conflict there, a lot of heartache there, right? Jacob was deceitful at one point, Judah was immoral, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, what is very interesting about this genealogy, you have a story of four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. All of them were not Israelite, by the way. And none of them were virgins when they came to the men who were ancestors of Jesus. Tamar, Ruth, and Bathsheba were widows. Rahab was a harlot. Tamar acted like a harlot. And Bathsheba committed adultery with David. Ruth was a morally upright person, but she was from Moab. The people of Moab practiced human sacrifice to their god, Chemos. So why were these four women, first of all, allowed to be ancestors of Christ at all, And second, why were they singled out? They were mentioned. No other women mentioned there but these four. And it was not simply because they were non-Israelite, because there were lots of non-Israelites in Jesus, uh, other non-Israelites in his genealogy, but only these four were mentioned. So why are they there? They all came into the line of Christ through unusual circumstances. You think of Tamar. She uh, had been given to the son of Judah, that son had died, the second son they had married and he dies, and then there's a third son, but Judah is thinking at this point, there is something wrong with this woman, I don't want to give my third son to her, because every son that she marries dies, and so... But she stands out by the road, covers up, and Judah goes. And you know the story. And from that union, there is a baby. And he is in the line of Christ. Just Again, if you, you were reading this in the news, you, you might not even want to read that story. Because it's just a little messed up. And uh, Rahab... She is living in Jericho, uh, and, 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 and you think, well, she comes from a nice family, but they were pagans, people, and she had become a prostitute, still living at home, probably sanctioned by her parents, and uh, maybe they were the ones, uh, very common in those days, that, that uh, put her up to it, and just to support the family.